0: I'm Nicole Davidson, and this is the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. The show where we take the lessons learned in real life negotiations to help you build your negotiation toolkit. We'll be hearing from lawyers, entrepreneurs, and senior business people about their best and worst negotiations. Negotiation is one of the most important skills for success in business and in life, but it's a skill we are rarely taught. For many of us, we develop our skills purely through trial and error. We see what works, discard what doesn't, and if we're lucky, we'll have a few good mentors along the way. In this podcast, we're going to give you access to an even greater range of negotiation mentors. Enjoy this episode and please reach out if you have any questions. In this episode, I speak with Neil McKay, CEO of SME Finance Group. Neil has over 20 years commercial finance industry experience, including as a senior executive with one of the world's largest and most respected financiers, GE Capital. In more recent times, he has led a business that specialises in asset, property and business loans for small and medium businesses. Neil has extensive lending and risk management experience, having held credit discretions in excess of $15 million. Through his deep industry knowledge, Neil takes the approach of understanding the customer's business and matching the financial products available to provide balance sheet and cash flow solutions. Neil's extensive network of contacts across the banking and finance industry provides him with an up-to-date knowledge of the various products available, using not only the usual range of loan and deposit products, but also more specialised products such as trade finance, equipment finance, wholesale and dealer finance. In today's episode, Neil and I discuss the differences between negotiating on behalf of a large corporate compared with a small business. We discuss aspects of the negotiation that are included in Neil's planning process. We talk about tips to build your negotiation confidence and the use of role plays in negotiation preparation. We also discuss the importance of building in dispute resolution provisions in your negotiated agreements to avoid future disputes. And of course, there's much, much more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Neil McKay. So welcome to the show, Neil. It's lovely to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Nicole. Good to be here.
0: Great. Now, Neil, I know you've had a very extensive um, career in commercial finance and you've had some fairly senior positions there, which no doubt have um, resulted in some interesting negotiations, as well as being a business owner. We're going to talk about some of your negotiations in a minute, but um, you might like to just give a brief overview of your background and who you are to our listeners.
1: Sure. No, thanks, Nicole. No, uh, it's been over 20 years, uh, 25 years, probably uh, in uh, in finance, commercial finance. Um, uh, some of that time uh, involved in smaller businesses uh, like I am today at broking businesses as such. But also spent 15 years of my time with uh, with GE Capital and GE at that time was one of the largest companies in the world. Um, so completely different environment and dynamic and had some very senior positions and enjoyed my time with GE. Uh, with but, uh, yes, what I've learned out of that is uh, both, uh, you know, very big differences in SME and, uh, and um, uh, big corporate businesses, which uh, we can talk about a little later.
0: And that might actually be quite a nice place to start, you know, talking about differences in negotiations over time, have you had to change your negotiation style when you moved out of um, GE into smaller businesses?
1: Yes, most definitely. Uh, and, and part of the reason for that is when you're in a large corporate like uh, like a company like GE and all large corporates, um, you know, you, the, the thing that you have there is uh, availability of resources. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you have your own internal legal departments and, you know, HR and all of those sorts of things uh, that, that you can, um, you know... Uh, uses resources to help you and, and generally you do have to do that it's part of the corporate culture um, and so, you know, you get involved in some fairly large negotiations, but have very uh, talented resources around you. Um, when you're in an SME business, it's it's completely different. Um, you know, you, you the, those resources are external. Um, they come obviously at a cost. Uh, you have to find the right ones and, and engage with them. But the thing is that um, what you find is a lot of the time, and I know this happens in SME businesses, is, is that you look at the cost and you try and, I suppose, avoid that. So you you can take some shortcuts and things like that and try and um, do everything yourself and that can yeah. be a bit of a trap. So that's the thing that I've found uh, to be completely different and particularly early days when I uh, came back into this, this particular role, uh, you know, and I was involved in a negotiation, you sort of look around and go, okay, so where's my support here? Oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, interesting though because I think, you know, I think that's a really good point and I love that you've looked at the positives of being in a large negotiation negotiation and having those supports but one of the challenges I guess that that presents is that you've got to take into account the interests of a lot more people um, because it's not just you how has that impacted your negotiations
1: Uh, Yes. Well, I mean, one of the great things in working for a large corporate and being in those situations is, is really understanding, you know, compliance and all of those things and understanding, you know, um, legalities of situations. And, and, and you have to be, you're right. You, you always have to be very careful in negotiations, but probably even more so when you're in the large corporate, because it is very easy to, uh, to, you know, um, be led outside of what is compliant and things like that in negotiations. And people, You know, people you're negotiating with will also look at you and go, "Well, that organisation's got very deep pockets, so Mm. um, and lots of resourcing available, so they will challenge you a lot." And so, um, yeah, I I think we're always uh, constrained by compliance. I always say compliance is a good thing, though, but very much in the larger organisation, you you have to very much be, you know, uh, very compliant, and uh, otherwise, you know, there are people there that are waiting for you to kind of step across that line. Now,
0: you've obviously. had to do lots of different types of negotiations throughout your career have you had any formal training in the negotiation space
1: uh yes once again in my time at GE yes there was uh training available um and, and um, so so they, they do that and they do that very well. And I mean, it's like the major banks and things like that. They have very mm-hmm. good training grounds, particularly for this sort of thing. And so they do make that training available and resources available. And you, you certainly need it because um, in one of my roles uh, at, uh, at GE, I was uh, involved in uh, negotiating partnership agreements and so forth with very, very large corporates. And so, you know, you, you need to be on your game and you need to really have um, uh, the best possible negotiating skills because mm. you're always being challenged as such and and, and uh it's very important to uh, to to be on your game as i say mm. so
0: when you look back at that training is there anything that stands out for you that has been a lesson that was a game changer for you
1: yes i, I think it, it's really that um what what are the negotiables and what are the non-negotiables so you really go into situations and and plan well before as to to what mm-hmm. what um you you are prepared to negotiate and what you what you can't what you absolutely want um and look, I think the other thing with that, you need to understand that yourself, but you also need to try and get an understanding of what's important to the other party as well. Mm. And, um, you know, where do you think that their you know, negotiables and non-negotiables are? And um, that's that's probably the thing I learned the most. And, and if you prepare well when you get into that negotiation, then you're less likely to um, make a decision, I suppose, that you'll regret somewhere down the track.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The negotiations often... Um, decided before you get to the table. Sure. Um,
1: yeah. Mm, yeah. For sure.
0: So, when you think about some of the more challenging negotiations, or some of the negotiations that perhaps have had the biggest impact on you and, and built your development of skills, can you tell me about one of those negotiations? And you know, what happened? What did you take away from it?
1: Yes, for sure. Um, probably once again, going back to uh, to to my days uh, with the large corporate, um, I was I was put into a role in a business that had had some challenges, but had some very major clients. And uh, and uh, one of those was one of the major retailers. And um, I was thrust into the role right at the time that there was significant um, negotiation going on. Um, and uh, I, I walked into that. And I, and I suppose the thing for me was... Um, it was it was daunting a little with the caliber of the people that were in that negotiation so you were talking about you know the cfo and so forth of that that organization and that can be quite daunting um, but at the end of the day i knew i had a job to do and i knew as i said before i knew what we had to come out of the arrangement with. And so mm-hmm. I sort of took a deep breath and um, over a fairly extensive period of time, um, uh, I suppose stuck to what what was important to us and made sure that they understood that that, that was a non-negotiable. And, we, um, and I think it, at the start, they thought they were going to work their way around that and we would move on it, certain terms and conditions, of course. And, and at the end of the day, um, I think that preparation and um, and, and I suppose just having the confidence to, to um, you know, um, negotiate with those sort of people helped a lot. Mm. And uh, at the end of the day, we we went from a position where I think most of the people around our organisation thought that we wouldn't sign a new contract with uh, this organisation, and we did. And uh, it continued on to a successful um, relationship. But, but you know, and look, you always have to give some ground, but they were on the terms that we always wanted it to be on. So that, that ended up being a good result.
0: Great. And you talked there about the importance of preparation and Confidence. Um, in terms of preparation, what does it look like for you going into a negotiation like that where you've got very significant people? What does preparation encompass?
1: Mm. Uh, first of all, understanding who the who the players are on the other side, and uh, do do some do some homework around that as to as to who you're negotiating with. Um, understand the what the if, if it is an existing relationship that you're looking to renew, which it was in this case. Um, go back and look at the history and talk to some of the people that have been involved in that and uh, what's worked and what hasn't. Um, try to understand where you think the sticking points in the arrangement are going to be or what the what what the challenges are going to be um and then i think just just being when you get to the negotiation being up front um, not only not only um, stating yourself what's important I suppose but also asking the other side what's important to them yeah. you know what, what are the what are the key and I, I do this in most situations asking people you know what's important to you mm. and you'll find out pretty quickly um, where where you know where they're going to be satisfied if they get to a certain arrangement and where you know they're prepared to actually negotiate on terms and so forth yeah great
0: mm. and you talked also about the confidence piece any tips for listeners who perhaps perhaps are struggling with their confidence going into a negotiation
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's a great question Nicole um it, it's something that I I don't find challenging but I but I know a lot of people do and um so so I think um sometimes it can be even just talking to other colleagues around you and mm. um and and even running your case by them and just working with them to uh get a feel for you know do they think that uh, it's it's a good case or is it you know um should you make any changes all of that sort of thing um sometimes even to a degree role playing can come into uh, account if you haven't got that confidence um we used to be big in that organization around role play and things like that and that can certainly help there yeah, sometimes it, it it seems that i know role play can sometimes be a little difficult because you know you, you think oh this isn't the real situation and it's yeah. hard you feel like an actor in some ways but but it can be good it can really help to prepare you well
0: i agree and it and it's interesting all of my courses that i run are very experiential and so we always mm. have people role playing and people used to sort of use that role play word and they'd be like, oh, but then Mm. the feedback is often that the role play was the best part of the program in terms of having a learning experience. So I think it's absolutely critical and I think it, it doesn't happen enough in business.
1: No, for um, sure. I'd agree with you because it's it is easy to resist. And um, I've even done that when I've had to do you know significant presentations or whatever and you're kind of forced into this role play and I've been the sort of person that's like, I just want to stand up there and do it, you know, but 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 you find that the role play really does does help you.
0: Absolutely. And it's all part, you know, I think what's really interesting about what you've just said is the confidence links right back into having done the preparation. Mm. Um, The more prepared you are, the more confident that you can be going in there because you've got everything behind you.
1: Yes, very much so.
0: So I know that particularly in the GE sense, it seems like a lot of your negotiations were those sort of forward looking doing deals rather than negotiating when things have gone wrong. Have you had experience of those sort of dispute type negotiations as to the front end and, and what difference does that make for you?
1: In uh, in recent times, um, yes, I have in in two two instances, yes, and that's a completely different scenario. Um, so in in both of these instances, they were about uh, one was a joint venture or a, a, a partnership agreement. Um, the other was was also a partnership agreement, but a but a, a referral type situation. Um, in both cases, uh, I, I suppose I learned a lot from those. Um, they were the overall with both was that. Uh, arrangements were set up and, and documented with all the right intentions and so forth but once we were and started to get into those arrangements um, things went off track and, uh, and to the point that then both parties become frustrated with each other and um, and and at the end of the day um, things uh, end up in in dispute and in both of these cases they did uh, and look, I, I think the thing that I've learnt from that um, is, and as I said before you, you're challenged in a small business because having the availability of the resources to help you, they, they are there but you do have to go and seek them out and you have to pay for them. and and so when you've got a um, you know board of directors or whatever they need to be uh, engaged as well and say yes we'll support you with you know the the cost associated with that but sometimes you do try and cut cut corners and probably in both instances what i've seen is a document uh, an agreement that was put in place and negotiated with all the good intentions um, but essentially, then put in the drawer. People forget about the, um, the 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 content of it, and go off and do you know things that are you know completely different to what's in mm. the agreement. And in both cases, they've ended up in in fairly um, significant disputes for a small business anyway.
0: So, would it have made a difference, or do you recommend coming out of those experiences that when you've got a contract in place for a partnership or a joint venture or something like that, that you're actually Regularly going back to the to the agreement, or is it a case that that agreement needs to change anyway?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. So, so what I would say, my learning from both is. I, I think when you talk about negotiation, I think negotiation or having a negotiator involved is a good thing at the outset. So, so because you know you're better off to sit around a table at the outset and say you know and have somebody who professional there to help you to really get the right things in place and and really put into that document what people intend to do, not what just looks good from a legal point of view, but what they intend to do. So my learning there is is that that would be a good starting point. And to, if I was to go into another one, that's exactly what um, we would do Um, but to your point um, yes most definitely I think the document does need uh, to be live as such it needs to be real it needs to be uh, looked at regularly particularly when you're making um, big decisions that that impact the business Um, and look everything is fluid you you can change these things and you can get into these arrangements and find oh, you know we we thought this was going to happen and document it that way but it's actually not like that and and so amendments can be made but but I am a big believer that you do document everything and you just because that's that's essentially when you get into any um, challenging situations that's what you end up going back to and certainly in the in the case of both where we've had legal, um, you know, and it's got to a legal situation, um, everybody refers back to the document. That's what happens. Doesn't we matter what you, it said, what you said, what you thought. <laughs> exactly. Everyone refers back to the document. So, so yes. Yeah, so, so in summary, yeah, negotiate at the start and do it properly with a with a with a, a, a professional person, and then have a have a live living document that you you refer to regularly.
0: With these examples that you're thinking of, did either of the contracts? have dispute resolution provisions in them? Like, does it say if there's Mm. a dispute around this, this is the process that we'll use to resolve it? Or were you left with going to the lawyers, really, as the only option?
1: Mm. Um, The first one certainly didn't. The second one did, um, but it was... It was a little vague in its in its content and and look when when I suppose the first party read that and said uh, you know we're just going to go to our lawyers anyway it's it's a little vague it's a little grey here and there or whatnot so we're going to go to lawyers so so um, there there was an attempt to have those uh, conditions or those things in place but it didn't really play out mm. that way and uh, and I suppose when you're in that situation if you haven't got um, confidence in the dispute resolution then you're clearly going to go and take legal advice
0: Mm. Yeah, look, it's interesting. And a, a lot of the work that I do is where people are, um, they have a contractual process, um, they, where they have to go to mediation before they can go to proceedings. So the lawyers mm. are involved, but they don't go straight to litigation. And, and you know, the intention behind that is to resolve it at mediation without all of those mm. costs of litigation. So, mm. Mm. you know, it's certainly a process, we see a little bit, but probably not as much as um, it could be happening, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, it's interesting you say that, Nicole, because essentially with the court system today, that's where you end up anyway, because, you know, um, they they try and, and and in both cases, this is where um, these situations have ended. They they drive you to mediation anyway, but within yeah. the court system, which clearly comes at a huge cost. I was um, going to say, how much of you
0: spent by the time you get to cost, that mediation?
1: Huge cost. And mm. and so, um, so yes, why don't you bring that forward and, uh, and, and you know, have it well done. Documented and then use, um, you know, a negotiator or a mediation process prior to getting to mm. to, to that point. So, um, it's a it's a lot less expensive. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Mm. And then one of the things. With litigation is obviously parties start to dislike each other more than they did when the dispute arose. For sure, mm. was there any chance in either of these that if the dispute had been resolved or um, addressed sooner, that the relationship could have been saved? Do you think?
1: Yes, in both cases, absolutely, uh, and and particularly the second one, um, which which was a which which could have been a very viable business line um, as such, and and just didn't turn out that way. Um, but but certainly. Um, it could have been resolved within the parties. And, and, and I suppose I was an advocate for that. Um, let's get around a border and table and, and sort through this as such. But um, you, you made a very good point there. People um, change their attitude, demeanour and so forth in these situations. And so they become angry. And you said this, mm-hmm. you did that. And all of that starts at the outset. And uh, it just takes then one party to head off to their, uh, their lawyers or solicitors. And um, next thing you've got, you know, um, Action underway, and, and and I remember that with the second one, it, it just came as a huge surprise. It, it involved the the compensation or the um or, or the um the outcome wasn't a massive amount of money, but but originally this um, this this um, matter had been set uh, for a hearing in the Supreme Court, you know, and it was it was subsequently downgraded to county court, but it was still looking like three days in the county court. Mm. And you look at that and you go, how did we ever end up here? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the answer to your question. You sit there and go, no, no, this could have been resolved and people could have sat around the table. Once again, with a professional person helping mm. them, not not at the point we are, but once you, you do get to a point where all of a sudden everybody's angry with each other and there's just there's no stopping it, yeah. no stopping it. Mm. Yeah
0: fascinating well hopefully you won't have to deal with more of those sort of examples going forward but um <laughs> never mind I, i'm well, here you, if you need me. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
1: but but you do learn you do learn from them and um, yeah i, I, I think uh, that that's that's a critical thing or a key thing that you do yeah. learn out of these things and uh, I, I must say the um the mediator in the last one who was obviously um uh provided by the by the court as such um was very very good because at the start of the mediation he, he outlaid you know there's no winner in this situation mm. even if you win you don't because you know you're paying so much money and I thought I thought that was some of the best advice I'd actually heard for a long time mm. um and and wished we'd been told that somewhere earlier down the, in, in well, the whole process
0: it's interesting isn't it because presumably <laughs> your lawyers didn't tell you that no
1: um, not at all not at all and I don't want to I mean lawyers are fantastic and mm. got a lot of friends who are lawyers and all that sort of thing and they do a great job but yeah. um but yeah and I mean look they 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 just doing their job, and and um, I think you do also get yourself to the point where you go, no, no, there's no other way, but you know, getting legal, you know, mm. getting getting lawyers on board with this or whatever. And uh, it was quite surprising because we got to this mediation, and and the mediator spent like 15 minutes just going through, 20 minutes just talking about this, citing various cases and whatnot, and just said, guys, there are no winners here. You need to work this out. There's no winners. Yeah. Uh, great yeah. advice. Great advice. Absolutely.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And look, you know, I think. You know, I also like lawyers a lot. Mm. Um, and, and I think the issue with litigators is that in, in the eyes of the law, someone is always right and someone is always wrong. And that's what the legal process is about. It, it's about attributing blame. And mm. responsibility. Whereas in business disputes, I think often it's not about blame. You know, there are things that just happen, yes. and you can resolve it and get to an outcome that works for everybody without actually having to point the finger at somebody. For sure. Um, and look, some lawyers are very good. Some litigators will do everything they can to keep their clients out of court. Mm. Um, others actually really enjoy the cut and thrust of court, and that's why they became litigators. I think. Yeah. Um, so their their motivations. Although they may be subconscious, um, mm. more geared towards litigation, which is of course very adversarial.
1: Mm. No, um, that's absolutely right, Nicole. And, and what I, I do remember one of one of the critical or key lines that this mediator said in the process was, um, "And guess what." guys sometimes the courts get it wrong and gave us a couple of examples of that as well and said so if you if you want to throw yourself at the mercy of the court they might get it right they might get it wrong Um, I found that very enlightening and makes you stop and think
0: absolutely Mm. I think that's a line I've used once or twice myself
1: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) well Uh, Neil
0: I've really appreciated talking to you about your experiences no it's Um, been a pleasure Mm. if people wanted to reach out with you what what might they do to get in touch and have a chat with
1: you Oh, uh, no problems. And people can, I'm, I'm happy uh, at any time to do that. So from my mobile number 0407 790 566 or email is nmckay, M-C-K-A-Y at S-M-E-F-G, freddygforgeorge.com.au, either of those you'll get me and I'm happy to to take any questions or queries.
0: Fantastic. And I'll put those details in the show notes for people so that they're on the um, podcast Terrific. as well.
1: That would be Great.
0: Thank you very much for your time again, Neil. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, Nicole. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Negotiation in Real Life podcast. If you've taken away some great tips from this episode, I'd love to hear about it. So please connect with me via my website or LinkedIn. If you're enjoying the podcast and would like to learn more tips to improve your negotiations, head to our website, NicoleDavidsonNegotiation.com.au where you can follow my blog, watch presentations, and download resource sheets. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get every episode as it comes out. If you have an interesting negotiation story that you'd like to share with my audience, head to the website and complete a guest application. Until the next episode, happy negotiating.